Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Is God a God of wrath and judgment? Yes. Is God a God of love? Yes. What does God prefer to do? Judge or forgive? He prefers to forgive. God has done everything. He's moved in our direction by sending his son. And now he calls us to respond. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on John chapter 3, verses 22 through 36 in a message titled, The One Who Is Above All. Now here's Pastor Brian. For the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. So again, the emphasis on, on the Son. And then verse 36. This is what I, I want to delve more deeply into today. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Now, this is kind of taking us back to where we were in our previous study. And there was so much to cover. We didn't have time to, to address it all, but I wanted to kind of circle back around to some of the things that we were talking about last time. And maybe you remember we were talking about these hard issues of judgment and God's wrath and things like that. And and so it's interesting that John, who, again, I think it was probably John, at least who was from, say, verse 19, this is the verdict, light has come into the world, people of darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. So John, in the very closing verse here of this third chapter, he he comes back around to that with this statement in verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. And so the words that he uses, these words are referring to those ideas, the idea of life and the idea of wrath or judgment. So when we read in the chapter, perish, condemned, wrath, these words are reminders that God is righteous and will judge evil. That's what those words are reminding us of. And again, this is something that we, we can't lose sight of for our own sanity's sake, but we can't lose sight of it either for the message even that we bring is a double-edged sword. It is a message of light and life and hope and love for those who respond but it is a message of condemnation and judgment for those who reject. Paul put it this way. He said, to some we are the aroma of life 
And to others, we are the stench of death. And that all depends on how one responds to to the message. So make no mistake about it. Regardless of how unpopular the idea of a judgment is in the modern world, especially the Western world, it is nevertheless a reality that will one day become crystal clear. You know, we we are really living at a time where people just, they have so dismissed the idea that there is a judgment. And some do it through atheism. Some just say, well, you know, there's not even a God, so of course there can't be a judgment. And others do it not necessarily by embracing atheism, but embracing an idea of God that just says, you know, God is love, which means that uh, he doesn't really care what we do or how we live. None of that really matters. He just loves us regardless. And basically, he doesn't mind that we just go about our lives doing whatever we want. It doesn't matter to him. And both things are delusional. Atheism is delusional, and that perspective of God is delusional as well. Because the Bible is clear that some will perish, that some are condemned, that evil will be judged. And, and as I said, it's, it's, it's where we can gain some peace of mind in that we know that those who perpetrate evil on others will not always get away with it. That, that's, a, that's a comfort. That's a consolation. So, these words remind us that God is righteous. He will judge evil. And then the words love and gave. He gave his one and only son. Should not perish, not be condemned, have eternal life. These are reminders that God loves all people and wants to save people rather than judge them. So we have both things side by side here in these words of Jesus and of John. So he says that whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him is another translation or here for God's wrath remains on them. So what does that mean? God's wrath remains on them. And notice who we're talking about. We're talking about those who reject. That's what he says clearly. Those who reject the son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on them. So what does that mean? God's wrath remains on them. I'm going to get to that in a second, but first I want to address this other question. What about those who have never heard the gospel? Now, it's stated here, those who reject are the ones who are going to suffer the wrath. Now, what about those who haven't rejected necessarily because they've not heard? So, so how do we understand? This is a big question, right, that people have been asking for a long time. What, what about 
and, and sometimes this is an argument against God or the idea of a loving God or a fair God. What about the person that's never heard? Well, in one sense, we could say absolutely, certainly, no question about it. There are people that have never heard, not only have they never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, they've never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. There are people in the world today that have never heard of Jesus and therefore have never heard the gospel. But the question is, what have they heard? What have they heard? I remember years ago, a man named Frank Drown, Frank and his wife, Marie, they were missionaries in uh, Ecuador. And, and actually, the more famous missionaries that we would know about would be Jim Elliott and Elizabeth Elliott. Remember, Jim Elliott was part of those, that group of men that in 1956, they were martyred in Ecuador and um, the book, Through Gates of Splendor, came as a result of that. Well, Frank was a friend of theirs who worked in a, in a bit of a different location among a different tribe. And he was the one who actually was on the scouting team that found the bodies of those five men that were martyred. So that, that's Frank Drown. So he lived 40 years, I think it was, in Ecuador among the Alca that's the name that they got. But, but anyway, Frank, I remember him speaking one time, and he asked this question. He asked the question about those native peoples who lived in a, what we would think of as sort of a prehistoric environment. He asked this question. He says, what do they know about God? And here was his answer. A lot more than you would think. I thought, wow, that was fascinating. A lot more than you would think. Now, what do we know? Well, first of all, we're talking about those who have never heard the gospel. First of all, let's just for one minute comment on original sin. Original sin. The Bible teaches that everybody is born into sin. That is what is called original sin. We have inherited a sin nature from our ancestors going back to Adam, who was created originally, created in the image of God, in fellowship with God, alive in the spirit. Adam revolts against God. He spiritually dies, and he passes that spiritually dead condition onto his descendants. That is the doctrine of original sin. We're born into the world as sinners. But not only are we born into the world as sinners, we have personal sins that we do begin to commit intentionally, even knowing that there are things that we shouldn't do. So this is everybody. Every, every human being is both a sinner by nature and a sinner by choice. Remember, John told us people love darkness rather than light. That's the true condition of human beings. So we've got that. But then we have general revelation. So what have people heard? A lot more than you think. That was Frank's point. They, nature, general revelation refers to nature, basically. Creation. They heard creation speaking to them. 
they lived in the jungle. They looked at the animals. They looked at the plants and the rivers and the fish and all of those things and the sky. And, and they, they concluded without a preacher, there's some sort of a creator. Somebody made this. And that is the intention of general revelation, that everybody would look around at the created world and draw the logical conclusion that somebody made this. And looking in a mirror and drawing the conclusion, somebody made me. So there is general revelation, there is creation, and then there is also conscience. So universal reality is, is everybody has within them a moral code. And with minor adjustments, it's essentially the same all around the world. And it's not constructed by their cultural environment, although that's what we would hear people say today. It, it's not, because they come from completely different environments and backgrounds, religion, no religion, all different kinds of things. But everyone has just pretty much the same sense that being courageous is a good thing, being a coward is a bad thing, murdering somebody just for the fun of it is a bad thing, Killing people might be allowed for certain reasons, but there has to be a valid reason and so forth. This is, this is universal. And so everybody has within them this recognition that there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. It might vary to some degree from culture to culture, but everybody has it. It's intuitive. It's, it's universal. And so this is what we have heard. And so this is the light that everybody has. Now, response to light brings more light and more light is needed for salvation. So just recognizing there's a creator is not gonna save me. Just recognizing that there's right and wrong, so there must be a, a, a lawgiver, that's not going to save me. There, there has to be something further. That's where the gospel comes in. But how does one go from the revelation of creation and conscience to a revelation from the gospel? Well, I think the Bible, what the Bible says is that those who respond to the light that's given them, more light is then brought for them. So if I never respond to the light around me, then there's going to be no further light given. But once I begin to respond to the light, that I've been given, then more light comes. Perfect example of this is a man named Cornelius. We read about him in Acts chapter 10. He's a Roman centurion. He comes under the influence of the Jewish faith. He begins to see something in Judaism that he admires. He starts to offer prayers and things like that and give alms. And then what happens? One day, an angel appears to him and says, call for this man, Simon, whose name is Peter. He's at the house of Simon the Tanner. He's going to come to you, and he's going to tell you words by which you and your family can be saved. Cornelius responded to the light that he had, and more light was given. So it seems to me like that's 
the picture that the Bible paints. Now, we know that God has commanded the gospel to be preached to every person. So with that command, we can sort of then conclude, well, must be that everybody needs the gospel, must be that everybody is perishing. That's why, that's why the gospel needs to be preached to everyone. So from all we know, here's my conclusion on this. From all we know, the one thing I'm absolutely sure of is that we could never take the position that we shouldn't be concerned about those who have never heard. So we could never take that position. Say, oh, it doesn't matter. We don't need to do missions. We don't need that. That doesn't matter. We we could never take that position. I don't know that we could finally conclude that they are condemned, all of them who have never heard of Jesus or his gospel. But we certainly cannot conclude that they will be saved. I think there, there is a place where there's a bit of uncertainty here. So what we know from all that we've considered seems to me to lead to the conclusion that those who die having never heard of Christ do perish because of the revelation, the things that they they have heard. There might be other factors, but they have not been revealed to us. So, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know. But what I do know is that God has commanded all people everywhere to turn from their sin and to turn to him. And he's called us to preach the gospel because people are perishing. And if there's something different in the end that works out that people that never heard of Jesus end up being saved, hallelujah. That's fantastic. If that's, if that's what God's doing, I'm all for that. But, but I don't know for sure. But, but what I do know is that those who reject the wrath of God remains on them. So there are untold millions of people that have and continue to reject Christ. They've they've heard the message. It's gone beyond the creation around them. It's gone beyond the conscience. They've heard it, and they reject it. And it says that the wrath of God remains on them. And remember, John said, the one who does not believe is condemned already. And so what, what does all of this mean? Well, let me remind you of a couple things. Paul says that we are by nature children of wrath. That's our natural condition. And he also says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, he says that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, this is an interesting thing. He says the wrath of God is being revealed presently. How is the wrath of God presently being revealed. The present way the wrath of God is revealed is experienced by God withdrawing his presence and giving people over to their depraved nature. This is the present manifestation of the wrath of God. God withdraws himself. Now, 
let's not forget, even when he does that, he's still so gracious that he gives common grace. And he sends the Holy Spirit in to try to turn people from darkness to light. But he has withdrawn himself, and the further people go into their rebellion and their rejection of him, the further he's pushed out and the deeper humans go into their depravity, there is a judgment that is the, it's the natural consequence of that. And I think that's what we see happening today. We're seeing the wrath of God revealed in the proliferation of sin, which is coming out of the depraved heart of human beings. The full wrath of God will be God separating himself from people entirely and eternally. Jesus described that as outer darkness. And so that is the, that is the destination of those who reject. But whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever believes, and of course, this is what God wants, and that's why he sent his son. Is God a God of wrath and judgment? Yes. Is God a God of love? Yes. What does God prefer to do, judge or forgive? He prefers to forgive. He's made that crystal clear. But the ball is in our court, so to speak. God has done everything. He's moved in our direction by sending his son. And now he calls us to respond. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. And let me just break that down as we end. Spiritually brought to life, reconciled to God, welcomed into God's family, the promise of his presence and power and love and goodness guiding us through life and leading us into eternity. That's what God wants. That's what the one who is from above came to reveal to us. This is what Jesus, God's one and only son, came into the world for that we might believe in him and have life, that we might embrace him as a person, a living person who is here today. And if there's anyone with us that has not embraced him and has not responded to that, that conviction of the spirit and that gospel, today is the day to do that by just acknowledging I am a sinner. I need a savior. I can't save myself. I can't live up to God's standard. Is there someone that can help me? Yes. Let me introduce you to Jesus, the one that God sent into the world. For the month of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Basic Christianity by John Stott. 
What did Jesus come to do? And in what ways does that make Christianity unique? Does it matter if the claim that Jesus rose from the dead a historical fact or not? And what's wrong with believing that Jesus was simply a great teacher? In his book, Basic Christianity, John Stott answers those questions and many more that are fundamental to the Christian faith and any genuine inquiry into understanding the historical Jesus. Ever since Jesus lived, he's been largely misunderstood by both religious and secular groups alike. But understanding who Jesus is, what he came to do, and what he claimed are relevant for all people regardless of their current beliefs. If you're a Christian, this book will help you to better understand the basics of the Christian faith. If you're not a Christian, this book will help you to better understand the basic beliefs of millions in our global culture. If you want to know more about the basic beliefs of the Christian faith, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Basic Christianity by John Stott. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.